way, people. And so today I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election. And that my term as Prime Minister will conclude no later than the 7th of February. For my part, I want to finish with a simple thank you to New Zealanders for giving me this opportunity to serve and to take on what has and will always be the greatest role of my life. I hope in return, I leave behind a belief that you can be kind but strong, empathetic but decisive, optimistic but focused, that you can be your own kind of leader, one that knows when it's time to go. Princess, princess lockdown right there. Ed Dell, tell us what really went on. Why did, why did she, she was the darling. She came to Washington, D.C., she's feted, she goes to Davos, she's feted, she goes to London, she's feted. She was the darling of the biomedical security state. What happened, Ed Dowd? Uh, bottom line is she was going to lose, her party was going to lose, so she preempted by resigning. But, you know, when you watch the body language of, what she, of her resignation, you know, I, I had a career interviewing CEOs and I spent a lot of time reading body language. That body language was atrocious. There's a little bit of fear going on in there. I think what we're going to find out, we haven't done the all-cause mortality on New Zealand, but it's going to show that there wasn't really any during COVID, and then it shot. it's probably exploding right now uh, since the vaccination program, which is draconian. This woman, you remember, like Fauci, who declared he's science, she declared she was truth. There was a clip of her saying, do not listen to anybody else. We are truth. I am truth. And uh, she also instituted the two-tier system, and she was proud of it. So this, this woman uh, was, like you said, heralded as one of the greatest uh, achievements of the WEF. She's one of the students, I believe, of the WEF. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to say it looks like one of the ring rates of the WEF has fallen. 20th of January, 2023. Welcome to Countlessman. I'm Calvin Elk. And I'm Hannah Spear. That was, of course, Ed Dowd on uh, Steve Bannon's The War Room. He's a former BlackRock investor and, of course, is leading the attack on the Pfizer-Moderna fraud and mass murder crusade. Um, he believes that that is exactly what's been happening, as we have here constantly on the show. Now, that's something the Labour National Party have been in cahoots in, and we've said that um, strongly with all of the excess deaths. Now, he, uh, using CDC raw data, have found that millennials aged um, 25 to 44 have had an excess death rate of 61,000 in 2021 alone. Um, and that's for those who are little mathematicians is an 84% increase in the baseline. So we can say it once again, make t-shirts out of it. If you want bumper stickers, put it all over the place. It's the jab, stupid Hannah. 
And today's show is, of course, called A Chip Off the Old Block. Meet New Zealand's new Prime Minister. And that is, of course, Chris Hipkins, if you have been following along. And Kelvin, a lot of people have been following along, not only here in New Zealand, but around the world, because as Steve Bannon called her Princess Lockdown, she is well uh, known around the world for her draconian measures. And on the other side, by the far left, she has been lauded as some sort of saint. Uh, they almost call her Saint Jacinda. The way that she's been propped up. I feel another Q and of an Ari roll coming on. Done. Yeah, so we're going to uh, take a bit of a look at how the mainstream media this past week has responded to her resignation, um, not only here in New Zealand, but also around the world. And we'll compare and contrast the two. And, of course, we have some great guests. We've got Trevor Loudon. He is an Epic Times contributor. He is a Kiwi. Uh, he's also got a lot of uh, books under his belt and he's just a great voice out there over in America, and New Zealanders should hear what he has to say, so stick around for that. And at the end, Kevin, we will be joined by those two Auckland farmers who did that great message uh, to New Zealand. Robert Ng and Murray Weimer. Yes, and they, of course, uh, were very happy, like the rest of us, that it was an end of an era. So we'll uh, be playing their video that went viral, and we'll also have a chat to them about what inspired them and uh, what New Zealand farmers are facing here in New Zealand, because like around the world, they're coming after the farmers. They want to turn everybody into bug-eating, factory-farmed uh, little minions, basically. Basically, it's a controlled demolition of our very way of existence. Yeah, so where do you want to take it first, Calvin? Do we want to have um, a bit of a look at this next uh, piece that we've got? It is from, of course, Sky News over there in Australia. Let's roll that clip and then we'll come back for a bit of a breakdown about uh, our thoughts on that. Good idea. But first, to the real legacy of Jacinda Ardern. Not the media fantasy, but what she really achieved during her disastrous reign. After enjoying one of the longest political honeymoons in modern politics, Ardern was facing what looked like certain defeat in the polls. And so this week she announced she's stepping down as PM. Ardern has been Prime Minister in New Zealand since 2017 and she has certainly left her mark on the country, soaring inflation, child poverty, crime and homelessness rates and a raft of broken and unfulfilled promises. And a Prime Minister that suffers from a chronic case of self-delusion. In fact, I am not leaving because I believe we can't win the election, but because I believe we can and will. And we need a fresh set of shoulders for that challenge. Yeah, sure. I'm sure that's why you're leaving. Nothing to do with this. New polling has revealed New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has suffered her lowest preferred PM ranking since becoming leader of the Labor Party in 2017. What we're also seeing is that the National and uh, the ACT Party who are aligned in New Zealand's parliament have a clear majority and could govern alone, uh, which would overthrow Labor in the next election. She leaves behind an almighty mess and it's due almost entirely to her disastrous social experiments. When she came to office, she promised that a flagship policy Kiwi Build would create 100,000 homes by 2028. As of May last year, it delivered just 1,300. Then there's her government's policy of Maori co-governance in the name of racial sovereignty, a project that's created all sorts of division and resentment. 
But the defining aspect of her legacy comes from shutting off New Zealand to the world. Her authoritarian lockdowns and draconian vaccine mandates that decimated the human rights of New Zealanders and destroyed businesses. But when you're a progressive darling, none of that matters. In the past 24 hours, we've seen extravagant fawning over Ardern from the likes of ABC presenters and leftist politicians. But the likes of Virginia Trioli and Monique Ryan conveniently overlook that Ardern came to power by entering a coalition with New Zealand First, the Kiwi equivalent of Pauline Hanson's One Nation. Her Labor Party came to power promising to slash immigration numbers and she needed Winston Peters' backing to become PM. But from the start, the media was obsessed with style over substance. They reported uncritically her grandiose pronouncements and portrayed Ardern as the doyen of empathy. But it was all performative. Winston Peters, the man who first installed Ardern as PM, has been scathing about the direction the country has taken under her rule. The disconnect from the liberal elite's woke cultural agenda and what happens in the real world is now all on show, he wrote in August last year. Peters also highlighted that despite her constant claims about kindness, Ardern's policies caused immense pain. The latest figures show that there are now around five times the number of people living in cars than there were before Labor was in government. How can the Be Kind Labor Party explain that? Typical of leftist leaders, Ardern has sought to shut down opposing views under the guise of combating so-called hate speech and disinformation. Her speeches in the US last year on this subject shocked many. Her main message, the spread of misinformation online. When facts are turned into fiction, and fiction turned into fact, you stop debating ideas and you start debating conspiracy. Myths and disinformation online, a challenge that we must as leaders address. How do you tackle climate change if people do not believe it exists? How do you ensure the human rights of others are upheld when they are subjected to hateful and dangerous rhetoric and ideology? But we have an opportunity here to ensure that these particular weapons of war do not become an established part of warfare. But when it came to calling out real atrocities, Ardern could be remarkably selective. When it came to China, she was frightfully weak and inconsistent. What did you think when you saw that New Zealand wouldn't sign uh, the Five Eyes condemnations of China? There are clearly gross human rights abuses occurring in Xinjiang against Uyghurs. You know, let's be clear, we're talking about concentration camps here. And I think New Zealand did make an error of judgment in not signing that document. Jacinda Ardern certainly chooses her words on the issue very carefully. You can see from the smiles, everyone in the scrum is very pleased to have you here. <laughs> because when questioned about China, the Prime Minister's friendly front quickly disappears. But if you listen to the presenters of Australia and New Zealand public broadcasters, you think she was a saint. Uh, she's the greatest Prime Minister that's been in New Zealand in my lifetime. I'm 50. So she will go down eventually as a much beloved, but just, um, just one of the huge names. She's much admired internationally, but has been the subject of really aggressive political attacks at home in recent months. Don't forget she had to postpone her wedding 
to Clark Gayford because of the because of COVID. She's put a lot of things on hold. Well, Jacinda Ardern's tenure has been one of the most difficult in New Zealand's history. I, I don't think she was frightened of losing the next election. I think she was fr- frightened more of winning it. I, I don't think I've seen a leader so popular or, or, or having so much influence on the world stage as Jacinda Ardern. Sue says as much about modern journalism as it does about socialist prime ministers who've never had a job outside of politics. Best-selling author Douglas Murray summed it up best when he said Ardern excels at performative caring but lacks competence, adaptability and genuine empathy. All right, Calvin, what did you think? Across the ditch, they seem to be a lot better at being objective about our former prime minister. Anyone with half a brain realises that... um the Adern regime was an abysmal failure. Now, it doesn't matter about the bought and paid for journalists over here. It's their job to make her, you know, sweet and innocent and looking good and <clears throat> all the things that would make a great leader of a country. But she's failed. She's failed in every metric possible. Every promise she made, she's completely obliterated, kept none of them. If there was a CEO from any company, they would have been fired long ago. Yeah, I think that's uh, what really needs to be talked about here, Calvin, is that anybody with half a brain can actually understand that the reason why the majority of New Zealanders no longer like Jacinda is because of her policies. Now, what's been happening here in New Zealand media is that they have been trying to say that it is because of misogyny and abuse, although Jacinda Ardern has come out and said that that is not the reason why she resigned. But um, I just want to take this little opportunity to talk about the way I see what they've done with Jacinda. Um, You know, politics is often referred to as Hollywood for ugly people. And of course, they tried to just... There are some ugly people in there. They absolutely have been. And if you look, uh, you know, pre-Jacinda, you know, the leaders such as Helen Clark, they were often criticised for their masculine looks. So they tried something different with Jacinda. They tried to bring somebody in that did have kind of um, beauty appeal. They put her on all the covers of the magazines, the fashion magazines. They had her wearing, you know, designer outfits. They really worked hard to make sure that she became a personality. Don't forget the cultural aspect where let's, let's get all modified. Yes, she was often seen wearing um, the Māori cloaks and, of course, uh, the hijab after the events down in Christchurch. So she was made very relatable. She was the first prime minister to really use social media in the way that she did running her own social media uh, platforms, becoming a person that people could really seem to relate to, bypassing the mainstream media, really embracing uh, the politics of personality, which they are now all crying about, Calvin, and saying that she became the target of misogyny and abuse, having lifted her up to be basically the main person of the Labour Party. Labour was uh, synonymous with Jacinda Ardern. And now that there has been a huge pushback against her policies, especially under COVID, um, they are now backtracking and making her the victim, saying that she has simply become the target of abuse and misogyny. And well, she was more style over substance anyway. Absolutely. That's where the people have targeted their, their attacks. The fact that she delivered nothing of value. It's all a whole lot of hand-wringing and fake um, caring. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a virtue signalling at its best, really, the way that they said she was a kind and caring, compassionate prime minister. And, you know, she, and she doesn't lie. Don't forget, she doesn't lie. The most open and transparent government ever who holds meetings about how to um, get around official information act requests. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, and of course, Winston Peters, uh, the leader of New Zealand First, who was actually the uh, minor party that basically gave her the majority when they won that first term in 2017. He actually is very clear that they lied about their intentions around Hapuapua and basically the division of New Zealand based on race. Uh, He said there was no discussions about that. And that has been one of the biggest problems about the Labour government is they have not been open to debate. They have had a majority, so they have been ramming through all these divisive policies that we'll talk about uh, later on with Trevor Loudon as well. Uh, And we'll break down exactly what, you know, the, the fundamental core of Jacinda Ardern was and how that is going to actually be transitioned to Hipkins as well. And the fact that Chris Hipkins is not going to be any different um, than Jacinda Ardern. And Calvin, he's really been given a hospital pass here, hasn't he? Oh, he he's basically rearranging the chairs on the Titanic. That ship is going down. There's no two ways about it. And if anyone seriously will say it again, we haven't been wrong yet. We ask you to fact check us and we ask you to question everything that we even say and get your sources, as she says, in a collective view across the board to get the truth. Okay. Um, National won't save you either. I guarantee it. You're going to be sorely disappointed. I can see it now. Yes, so um, nobody can really say that you know Hipkins is a um, going to be a strong leader, especially I think compared to Christopher Luxon. Christopher Luxon will be presented as the strong masculine figure who will need to basically save this the country. The only thing going for him is his haircut. <laughs> well, uh, I can see why you would say that. Yes. Um, so, of course. Some people also saying there'll be a snap election, <coughs> Calvin. Uh, she's uh, Jacinda did say it would be the 14th of October when she gave that resignation uh, speech. However, some people say that we won't even get to October and it will happen much sooner. I'm in two minds of that. I don't want a snap election because it doesn't give the real people who are attempting to stand for politics any chance of getting out there properly and getting their message across. They'll be shadow banned everywhere. They'll be having um, every troll imaginable on the government side trying to shut them down and cancel venues and things like that. So I would rather have the long road to the shortcut than the um, easy trip to hell (laughs) just draw out that pain draw out the inevitable either way it's going to be painful (laughs) um okay well just before we get on to looking at uh chris hipkins a bit more let's have a look at this uh compilation by the independent it just shows some of those alleged misogynistic questions by the mainstream media to jacinda ardern my first question is I wonder whether or not anyone ever asked Barack Obama and John Key if they met because they were of similar age. Is it okay for a PM to take maternity leave oh, while in office? Okay. If you're an employer of a company, you need to know that type of thing from the women that you're employing. It is totally unacceptable in 2017 to say that women should have to answer that question in the workplace. Why are you dying it anyway? Is it going grey or something? Why didn't you dye your hair for? Never, never. Never. That's not a polite question to ask. Um, I'd say anyone. I was about to say lady, but anyone actually. Let's um, uh, let's be open about that. So um, yeah, it's just a little touch up, right? Having produced six children, it doesn't amaze me that people can have children. Why shouldn't a child be conceived during an election campaign? Well, <laughs> I mean. Not why should I'm not asking why should but I should add that um, the election was done. Yeah, a lot of people will be wondering: Are you two meeting just because? You know, you're similar in age and, you know, got a lot of, you know, common stuff there, you know, when you got into politics and stuff. Or can Kiwis actually expect to see more deals so, between our two countries down the line? Because there first, is... My first question is, I wonder whether or not anyone ever asked Barack Obama and John Key if they met because they were of similar age. 
so what did you think of that, Calvin? Did you did you smell the misogyny in those questions? To be honest, I think most of them were just dumb questions. I mean, why waste question time on rubbish that doesn't matter? You know, as if you're sitting in a cafe somewhere just having a chat with someone. What you need to be doing is using that time to educate the public by giving a asking a question and demanding a real direct answer. Quite simple. Jacinda. How do you feel about all the jab injured and the carnage that you've caused throughout the country? And um, are you worried about being brought up on charges for genocide? That would be a question I would want to ask. Yeah, I agree. I mean, who really cares about whether she's meeting with the um, Finnish prime minister who happens to be a female and is of a similar age uh, really is not relevant. Uh, The fact that Ryan Bridge asked her about her graying hair and whether she dyes it or not, I just think that's plain rude and plain and not really designed, relevant. It's designed to make you more personable, more like us. Well, she ain't us. Simple as that. You know, this, they are them, they are, we are, they, or we are them, they are us rubbish. Complete bunk. Absolute bull. Yeah. So the mainstream media is trying to say that this line of questioning is misogynistic, which means, you know, that, that there's a hate for women. I don't necessarily think those questions are at all hateful towards women. No. Um, I just think they're irrelevant. And the questions about, you know, whether she knew she was pregnant when she went into office or, you know, why she took the job when she knew she was pregnant. I mean, I personally think that employers do deserve the right to know if they are going to employ a person who is going to have a newborn baby. Yeah. Um, and Jacinda, given the fact that she said she would be the most transparent uh, prime minister and lead the most transparent government. Didn't start off too well, did you? No, I think I know. I think that the public deserves to know because babies, if they are uh, cared for in the way that they ought to be, need a lot of time and attention from their mothers, um, and and they deserve that. And if if she knew she was going to have a baby, then um, you know, for the sake of her own child, which she says even in that latest uh, Women's Weekly magazine, you know, is the most important thing. And um, you know, she's kind of putting that down to why she's resigning as well. Which is funny because she's passing all sorts of legislation that completely oppose that particular soundbite. Yeah, well, that's Rubbish. the thing. She actually Rubbish. carefully, um, sorry, carefully crafted persona an illusionary tactic to make people suck into the personable aspect as opposed to the fact that she's a complete and utter failure and well, destroyed the country. Well, what I was going to say, uh, Cohen, is last year she actually brought in extra funding for early childcare centres, um, you know, putting giving taxpayer money to them so that uh, others could basically hand them their children and, and they could be raised by the state. So I think that we can look at this in a whole different way. I think if she had actually really cared about the well-being of children, she would have actually offered a lot of that early childhood money to mothers to stay at home, to increase maternity leave. Or, okay, in some cases the fathers might want to do it. We can look at that. But the fact that this government has been encouraging uh, families to put their children into state care is not actually encouraging a strong bond between families. And it's again going to drive a wedge between children and their parents. And we'll look at that later on with um, Trevor Loudon. And further well. to this whole misogyny angle that you notice is happening all over the world, the same phraseology in lockstep with everything else. This is a global rollout of a particular narrative for a communist agenda. Let's make no bones about it. So <clears throat> they're saying, the misogynistic attacks against Aderna, vile, they're this, they're that. That was one of the reasons or contributing factors why she resigned. 
Okay, now let's look at it properly. It couldn't possibly be because she was an utter failure, could it? It couldn't possibly be because, I don't know, she made so many homeless, destroyed so many farms where um, farmers have committed suicide on a wholesale rate. It couldn't be the fact that her um, insistence that the safe and effective jab with all the other minions and the silence of the National Party and others to allow this to roll out and continue to kill people, it wouldn't happen to be because of that. I have a hatred towards her policies and the way she's implemented them and has lied through her teeth, that's not misogynistic. That is a fact. Yeah, that's not because of her gender. That's because of actions her and her government have actually taken and actually all the political parties because let's not let them get away with it either. It hasn't just been Labour that supported these draconian measures under yeah. COVID. It was it was basically 120 paper pushers down there in Wellington who wouldn't even talk to um, the deplorables or the great unwashed, whatever you want to call the, oh, the, the river filth, those people that stood up to these measures. Um, but the sad thing is, in the end, Jacinda basically had to read the room. Mainstream New Zealand yeah. has turned on her. The shine has worn off. She literally is the emperor with no clothes now, and she was style, all style, no substance. And that is why the she's dream bubble has burst and i think she should have she she would have been much better uh as a person had much more integrity had she led her party to the election um but like john key before her um you know he he dropped out early too. and it's always because of family or health problems you notice that yeah they want they want to stay there while the going gets tough or while the going is good, good. but as soon as the going gets tough they're out because they don't want to lose political capital because ultimately they have their sights set on things further ashore, um, further around the world where, you know, they'll just take their next step on the, on the ladder of this globalist agenda. Now I do. She she wants to be gone before the full facts and truth are known about exactly what she's been involved in. Like Ed Dow was talking about and how he's going after uh, Pfizer and Moderna for fraud and, and, um, basically mass murder that's happening here in New Zealand. Now, while all the leftists and idiots on all these websites are lauding her as the some savior, and they're talking about how us, everyone like us are right wing, far right conspiracy theorists, this, that one thing, other, you name it, add your, add your cliche. Um, we are turning out to be right. We are right. We haven't been wrong yet. Do you notice that? When are the other side going to apologize to us? For attempting to destroy our credibility, our lives, and our and our existence in a lot of cases. Now, speaking of apologies, Calvin, that is a good way to segue into the next part of the story that has played out this week, um, where now, a state broadcaster, TVNZ, actually had to issue an apology after their breakfast show uh, hosts were blatantly acting in a way as to incite violence and they had this little thing called a bug assault gun which um is a little salt gun Pest control for flies to, yeah to kill flies and they made this big joke about how they happened to find this little trump doll in the studio they popped him on the desk and uh, they all proceeded to have a great laugh at uh at his expense by shooting him with this salt gun now of course had the shoe been on the other foot had that been a little jacinda a, a dern doll there would have been outrage around the world and yet this was just a big joke because ha ha trump you know orange man bad um you know stale pale male all these types of things it's all right when we uh have misandry towards him uh now that word if any of you don't know uh, that well word, they had the other one rammed down their throat so much they probably wouldn't even know what the other one meant yeah well there is misogyny we all know what that is now after this apparently past week. us men hate women 
and misandry is, of course, uh, the hatred of men. And I think there has been a lot of hatred towards men, and we're not allowed to talk about that. Uh, So it was great to see TVNZ being forced uh, the next day to issue an apology. We did put a story out there and uh, give you all the opportunity to not only email TVNZ, but also the company, the Bug Assault Company. And you did in your droves. They collapsed real fast. And, of course, uh, the SIS, because Rebecca Kittredge here has been trying to get people to call out their neighbours, call out anybody that looks like they've got anti-government sentiment or they are in some way trying to incite violence. Yes. Yes, and, of course, this is exactly what the host of TVNZ Breakfast Show were doing. So it was great to see uh, them have to do a black back flip on that. If it was you or I, we would have had police knocks at the door, raids, and all manner of things. In fact, the uh, National Security Investigative Team, part of the National Security Apparatus, of course, who uh, have come after us, seized all our equipment, as you all know, you know the story. Um, and that's ongoing, of course. And they still have our stuff, by the way. Um, where are they? Why aren't they going into these um, uh, TVNZ, seizing all their equipment, going through all their stuff, and putting them through a long march to pain? Um, where's the arrests of Jacinda Ardern? Why hasn't Parliament been treated as a crime scene and everyone arrested and put up on charges for aiding and abetting genocide? It's, there is a two-tier system in law. There's a two-tier system in race. There's a two-tier system everywhere, and you and I ain't part of that club. Like I said, it's just a clown show. It's an absolute clown show. Like I said, if it was us, we would be for the high jumps. Simple as that. There are, There's just rules for them, rules for us, and it's, we have to break the back of this. So any of you who are thinking of voting, vote en masse. Do not vote for any one of the parties currently uh, represented in Parliament. They are an abysmal failure. They all went silent on you. They have all aided and abetted and the carnage that's been rolled out with this jab, and our excess mortality is going through the roof, and it's expected to climb, and they still to this day, despite the evidence, despite Pfizer's own documents contaminating it, they are still saying it's safe and effective. What does that tell you? And please get off your ass and start arresting people, because we're sick to death of you trying to get the low-hanging fruit and going after anyone who dares go against the narrative. You're obviously on their side, and therefore you don't represent us, and we no longer consent to you. Um, policing us. Yeah, so the mainstream uh, political commentators are wanting to continue this debate, Calvin, about toxicity and of course they're not wanting to look at uh, toxic femininity no, they're wanting to continue the toxic masculinity debate they're wanting to analyse the toxicity directed towards Jacinda Ardern being a female. Now I would like to say that yeah, I agree we should uh, have a debate about toxicity but I think and I've said this before on uh, tour and on some shows that we should actually really start to pick apart the elements within toxic femininity now what does that mean it means uh things like you know exactly what Jacinda Ardern has done dress herself up pretty say all these right things in the right tones say all the right words um but actually behind everybody's back is completely manipulating and completely selling out this country gaslighting this country lying using psychological um tactics it's warfare yeah saying one thing doing another it's very it's 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 very covert kind of manipulation it's not like men you know that we're there there are a lot more upfront they're a lot more direct they're a lot more they can be a lot more violent um women are a lot more yeah it's 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 a much yeah, the reason why we get bloody violent it's a much more trickier kind of um toxicity really and actually part of that is abandoning our children as well and that's a that's a topic that 
we're not allowed to talk about because somehow that is disempowering women. We can do what the hell we like. This is people funded. This is the people's platform. We'll talk about whatever you want. Somehow if you um, don't, um, you know, do the traditional roles that a woman would do when she has a family, then, you know, if that court gets called out, you're, you're, you're accused of being disempowering or misogynistic. Uh, whereas I actually don't think, you know, it's misogynistic to say to a woman, you know, if you are going to have a child, then, that child needs you as a mother um, and nature has created that in a way uh, to be a symbiotic relationship. You know, the baby relies on you. Uh, there's nothing wrong with actually encouraging mums to make that a priority, but now. And all women can have babies, not men. So um, that's very misogynistic of you, Calvin. No, that's, that's misandric, isn't it? <laughs> oh, sorry, misandric. Yeah, Cause that's yeah. against men who think that they can pop out. A watermelon through the whole size of a golf ball ain't gonna happen. Yeah, so that's a whole another topic um, that we will most certainly cover because um, there are some interesting happenings coming up in March where we'll have some international speakers around that. Uh, so yeah, that's my thing. Let's talk about toxicity, but let's start talking about female toxicity, not just the male toxicity side of things. So, is there anything we want to wrap up about, Jacinda, before we move on to Hipkins? Yeah, I want to just go back. Remember this whole hey poor poor thing, this three waters thing, which is actually using Maori as the next lot of bad guys, so everyone can focus on hating on them. Believe me, it is not the everyday Maori in the street. They are actually aligned with exactly what you want—a life that you can build, be proud of, and pursue your own happiness and freedom and integrity. It's the Kiwi corporates passing themselves off has been aligned to Maldidum that are completely and utterly destroying the fabric of this nation. Remember that. That is where your focus is, not everyone else. Anyone who subscribes to the view that Maldi were here first, they're bonkers, they're, and, and they, they've got no evidence for it. Okay, except maybe someone's uncle's bloody auntie's goldfish's budgie swim in a river sometime, but no evidence of it, of course. But we have archaeological evidence to show pre Maldidum that others were here first. It's just a fact. Um, even uh, Rankin uh, up north has said that they weren't here first. So let, let's take that out. Then, of course, you got the Treaty of Waitangi, 1975 fraud. Complete and utter fraud. We've proven that with forensics. Um, there's a whole lot of things that are driving this country apart, but focus where it is. It's an international play. It's an international covert operation to undermine this society, break us all apart from the family, community, and racially to allow these people to come in and take hold and take power and then start sectionalizing you and putting you in your little hunger game set, 15-minute cities, and transhumanism at the end of the day. You are slaves, and the rest of you are going to be a bygone era and dead. Yes, and Trevor Loudon, uh, who's coming up shortly, will be discussing that in more detail. So Chris Hipkins, uh, most of you will know him as uh, the COVID response minister. He's also been the education minister and is now, well, was the police minister. Uh, he's He's been in, um, in New Zealand politics for a long time. He was over in the UK with Jacinda as well. Um, and, you know, he he's basically, like we called this title a chip off the old block it's not going to be any different under his uh reign is it because whose hands have been all over this from the start helen clark correct yes and of course helen clark actually um basically picked him out as well to be one of the young bucks coming up in uh the labor party so as much as uh, she's influenced 
Jacinda Ardern, she will also be influenced. And bearing in mind, him. this was supposedly a shock resignation. A shock resignation. People are like, oh my God, how did that happen? But yet we've got inside information that states people knew about it a month beforehand. There was no blood fight like, okay, you know, we're ringing around the parliament trying to get the numbers to get behind a certain candidate. It was such a smooth transition. Have you noticed that? Pretty odd. Yep. So he's, again, very young. He's only 44 years old. He got into politics in 2008. And uh, he's had quite a quick rise as well to get such power, um, again, just easily influenced. Um, And I do want to say in regards to the education policy, because um, it was, in fact, something that happened last year at the at the um, area school up there in Northland. Many of you will probably remember this. I will just bring up that story because we did post about that. Now, it was, um, it was in Northland. So it was a story that came out in regards to a school having to apologize for disturbing sexuality education uh, handouts being spread around the Tauraua area school. Um, a woman had got so upset by this because her 12-year-old daughter, her innocence had been basically stolen. This information was being given to 11 and 13-year-olds. And in fact, we heard that it was making its way into uh, the hands of children as young as six years old. Now, this is all part of the international agenda as well to sexualize children from a very young age. I'm not going to read all of what was in this document. Um, We might be able to bring it up on screen. It's quite perverted. Yeah, because they're literally saying, how is sex done? They give you um, five different legal classifications, apparently. Uh, genital, digital, object, oral, anal. And I just I just think this is just so uh, vile, the fact that this type of thing is being broken down into such... Um, what do you what do you say? It's just being made so blatant, so obvious, and and it's putting ideas into young children's heads that at that age they're probably not even thinking about. It. So when yeah. the predators start molesting them, they'll think it's it's okay because they've been educated that all these things are just natural part of human course. It's not. And of course they you know they're talking about gay sex and transgender and they're confusing all of that about how many genders there are when there really are only two. And make no mistake, they're not apologising for what they did. That's the plan that they they are doing that deliberately. They want to do that. They're apologizing because someone raised the alarm. So, yeah, we're basically asking the question, is New Zealand's new prime minister, Chris Hipkins, actually endorsing child grooming? Uh, because these parents were so outraged that they were actually going to remove their children from that school. And I think a lot of the time, Calvin, parents are so busy with paying the mortgage and just trying to keep their families afloat that they don't always keep up to date. And of course, their kids may not actually have the confidence to tell their parents about what they're learning at school in this regard, because it is quite embarrassing. Well, they're all getting told now it's okay not to tell your parents everything. In fact, don't tell your parents anything. Keep it a secret between us. We'll take you off and have your, have your dick removed. No worries. You can be a chick as much as you want. Oh, forget that uh, truck over there, lad, and that sandpit. Come over here. Play with a frilly doll. Start molesting that instead. This is what they're doing. Yeah, so he's he's done that. You know, he's he was part of the um, legalization of same sex marriage. He was uh, known as the fixer, or he has been known as the fixer within the Labour Party caucus, and also was the chief chief whip early on. So, like I say, he's got a lot of power. Um, and we want to hunt us all down too. Yes, let's play that clip now. That famous clip of uh, Minister Chris Hipkins at the time making it very clear that he would hunt you down if you did not take their COVID jab. 
I think <clears throat> early next year we'll be in the phase of chasing up people who haven't come forward to get their vaccination or have missed their bookings and so on. So uh, everyone will be able to get a vaccine between now and the end of the year. Uh, but of course, you know, and, and I want every New Zealander to come forward, but human behaviour suggests that there will be some people that we have to actually really go out and look for, uh, and, and some of that may spill into next year. But our commitment is everyone will have the opportunity to get the vaccine by the end of the year. Uh, everyone will, uh, but I, I can't say that, you know, that we're not going to have some hesitant people or some people who just haven't come forward that we don't have to go out and find next year. And of course, it's not over yet. It is not over yet. They are like, how many times have we said they have an agenda? They have their foot on the gas and they're not taking it off for anyone and or anything. Now, we think on our side that we could stop them. Okay. But it's going to be very hard. First, you've got too many people focusing on others saying, oh, you have to do something instead of them. Uh, they're also saying we have to be united. No, we don't. We just have to all be pushing in the same direction and wanting the same outcome. We can all attack a beast from different directions. You will wear it down. You will starve it. You will kill it. That's the only way to defeat it. You send all your forces front on. You will be hammered straight away, as you've seen, because they have people like the New Zealand police coming to be their henchmen, the biggest gang in the country. In fact, uh, recent news with over 200 of them have faced charges from everything from molestation, murder, uh, drug dealing, and all that. So, you know, not everyone in the police force, like I said, are corrupt. But the ones at the top, given the orders, absolutely are. And if you want to take me to court on that as well, then let's batter up. Yeah, so um, Carmel Cipollone, she is, of course, a deputy to Chris Hipkins. And there's a lot of questions around her too and how she has um, run various ministries. And also, especially the Royal Commission of Inquiry into Abuse and in State Care. That's an abysmal failure. Yep, and she got rid of the uh, child commissioner as well. Why yep. she would do that, uh, we don't know. But, uh, you know, she is now the representative for the Pacific Island community. And in South, in South Auckland, there's a massive uh, Pacific Island population. We have Pacific Islanders in our family. So there's, there, there's no racism here. What we're saying is that she is not fit for purpose. In fact, none of these politicians are, are they? Well, when they are taking orders from globalist institutions like the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, and, you know, we've got Helen Clark going to Davos and the mainstream media not even talking about it, then, yeah, I don't think they have the interests of New Zealanders at heart. And the fact is, is that New Zealanders, like you guys who watch Counterspin, are waking up really quick, smart to the agendas of You're these people. intelligent bunch you are. Yes, you are. So um, we really want to introduce you to another intelligent Kiwi um, I am just wondering um, which clip we play to get us over to that break. Shall we have a little musical interlude, Calvin, with the song Take Down the CCP? We'll be right back uh, with Trevor Loudon from the Epic Times. Uh, you don't want to miss that interview.
chance it's all started everything's begun and you are over cause we're taking down the ccp And now, Trevor Loudon, an author, filmmaker, public speaker from right here in Christchurch, New Zealand, currently in the US. He will be uh, beaming into us. Over 30 years, he's researched the radical left Marxist and terrorist movements and their COVID influence on mainstream politics. Uh, he's interviewed many people, including intelligence officers, government undercover uh, operatives within the communist uh, movement, and of course, former KGB officers. Uh, we welcome Trevor back to the show, back to Counterspin. He is, of course, on a YouTube counterpunch with Trevor Loudon. So, Trevor, welcome back to Counterspin. Let's bring your counterpunch. Hey, it's, uh, it's it's great to be back on with you guys. Great to hear the Kiwi accents and uh, <laughs> good to see you. So, Trevor, I think we should start uh, with how you were feeling over there in the US when the news broke that, of course, um, Jacinda Ardern was going to resign from the New Zealand Prime Ministership. Well, it was a happy day. My wife told me and originally she said she was going to be leaving no later than the 7th of February. And I thought, well, how did she know that's my birthday? <laughs> how did she know? What a present. Thank you, Jacinda. So I was pretty happy. And look, seriously, I got people from all over America. I had to do interviews here in America about it because she's so evil, pretty well known over here. They all said, wow, that crazy Jacinda's resigned. What? How do you feel? And I was, yeah, I was pretty, pretty happy. Yeah, because you are, are, of course, a regular guest on The War Room with Steve Bannon um, and shows like that. What was the mainstream media um, or even, you know, the big alternative media platforms, what was their response over there in the US? Like you're saying, they kind of actually recognized she was crazy. And then later we'll talk about what the response was here in New Zealand because it was very different, wasn't it? Well, yeah, like there's two two sides in America. You know, the, the mainstream liberal type of media was, oh, wow, she's, she, she's, you know, she's standing down, but she's done so much on the world stage. What a wonderful person, blah, 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 blah. And all the, my conservative friends over here are going, wow, she's just super crazy. You must be so happy she's gone. You know, it's very, very polarized. You know, those who don't know her love her. Those who do know her, are not so enamoured. And we've certainly had our fair share of the uh, carnage she's left in her wake. Yeah, what, what she done to the economy, what she done to race relations, what she's done to um, just, you know, the pride in New Zealand. You know, I, I fly into, when the last time I fly into New Zealand, I was flying to Aotearoa, not New Zealand. Well, nobody asked me to change my passport. 
Yeah, and why don't we get into a little bit uh, about her policies because people do like to praise her and her great personality and how kind she is and they throw all these kind of euphemisms her way. But when we look at the substance behind her and what she stands for, what are your main concerns? Well, what, her job, she's a Marxist and she's a revolutionary. You know, we've got so many videos of her saying, comrade this, comrade that. You know, she was the international president of the World Socialist Youth. Now, that's a communist organization that had communist China as an observer. It had the former communist parties of East Germany and Hungary as part of it. This is a Marxist organization, and she's world president. And so her job is to 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 weaken the the New Zealand middle class and divide the country as much as she could to cause as much turmoil as she could to set the stage for a future revolution. And and the main thing, you know, she certainly did a lot uh, to to weaken the middle class to cut people's incomes, um, taxes, the COVID mandates, all of that kind of thing have really hurt. New Zealand economically, but I think the worst damage she did was on the racial front, because her three waters, her policies of um, you know Maoris getting extra vote, extra seats on boards, and that kind of thing, that's Marxism. That is national question Marxism, and it's designed to divide and cause resentment. And, and uh, you know, you look at it from a real simple point of view. Any parent will tell you. You've got to treat your kids equally. You can't favor one over another. You can't give one 10 bucks a week pocket money and one three bucks a week because it'll divide and destroy your family if you do that. The surest way to destroy a country is to apply different laws to different people in the same nation. That's Marxist revolutionary politics. It's been run by Kerry Allen now, who's super dangerous, Minister of Justice, but she, you know, Jacinda was a revolutionary and she set that racial train in motion that is going to destroy, you know, I know New Zealand race relations aren't, aren't perfect, but they're a heck of a lot better than most countries, but they're on the way to destruction because of the policies she's implemented. The, um, the government and, of course, now mainstream academia they have a habit of rewriting history. I mean, what we knew to be a factual-based historical account previously has now become a farcical fancy of, obviously, those who intend to divide the country. Case in point, the Treaty of Waitangi Act 1975 are based on a fraud, an absolute fraud. We have proven it with forensics, but that train keeps going on, and it seems nothing is going to stop it no matter what submissions we make, no matter what uh, protests we do, letters we write, it just doesn't seem to stop. What the hell can we do to slow this bugger up? Well, we got, we've, got to, we've got to vote these people out of power for a start. Now, that's not going to change. That's not going to stop the problem, but that's going to slow it down a little bit. That's one thing. Then we've got to, we've got to support. We've got to raise up some politicians out there who, who say there should never be any race-based legislation in this country ever, ever, for any... Got to get rid of separate voting. We've got to get rid of everything 
that treats people differently for any reason at all. And see, we haven't even really made that case. Nobody's, people have pecked around the edges at it. At it. And some people, um, I know David Seymour has said some things on this, but this has got to be, this has got to be front and center. We've got to work on the principle we're a family, we've got to be united, and we're only going to be united when everybody is equal under the law. That is the principle we must be pushing forward. And uh, don't buy into any of this. We are two nations. We are this. We are, you know, we are one nation. That's the only way it can go forward. The only yep. way. And we can't yep. buy into any of this crap. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've always said, it should be based on need and necessity, not someone's want and privilege. Um, if Māori are at the bottom of every socioeconomic scale or they're in need of something, obviously under a need and necessity uh, program, you are going to be taken care of first. You don't need to worry about the bit, whether you have a certain type of skin color in order to be looked after. It would naturally be part of that. And that's the mind-boggling aspect of this whole thing. I just do not get how politicians continue to roll out the same crap that's going to go nowhere fast in terms of race relations. Well, what we have to understand is this is a revolutionary process. We have Marxists in the Ministry of, you know, what they used to call the Ministry of Maori Affairs. We have Marxists in the Justice Department, Marxists in the Treaty of Waitangi Office. We have Marxists in the Human Rights um, Office, which is completely controlled by Marxists. And their whole goal is a socialist New Zealand. And to achieve a socialist New Zealand, you have to divide people and create tension and chaos and bitterness and resentment because a people divided can be controlled. A people united are very hard to take over. You know, in, yeah. in America here, Wells Fargo Bank is not going to lend to white people anymore for home loans, wow. right? Terrible. So you can you imagine that you imagine the Bank of New Zealand said that or or Westpac, you know, we're only going to lend mortgages to Maori people. Well, do you think that would really help race relations in New Zealand? Do you think people feel really good about that? Yeah, when we're all treated equally, we feel sympathy for those who suffer. But when other some people get certain sweet deals, we don't have any sympathy. We feel ripped off, you know. So we want a united country. We've got to get rid of all of these um, disgusting Marxist policies. And we've got to call them Marxist because that's what that's. Stalin came up with this national, national question politics. You find a minority. You exaggerate the claims. that You exaggerate the grievances of that minority, get special privileges for that minority, and use that minority to start a revolution. It's scientific Stalinist Marxism. Yeah, it drives that wedge, doesn't it? And they do talk about the long yeah. march through the institutions. They yeah, knew yeah. it was going to take a long time. And how do we, um, you've touched on the banks, and I really want to, how do we bring in the corporations as well? Because the Marxists love to talk about, you know, the, the working class and how uh, taken for granted they are and how abused they are basically by the corporations and yet you look at what's playing out now you know here in New Zealand huge corporations 
in this country, whether they're New Zealand-based or multinationals from overseas, are actually pushing the change of New Zealand's name, Aotearoa, without even yep. having had that go through Parliament. They were pushing the Black Lives Matter. There was a huge campaign back in 2020 here in New Zealand, just like in America. How are the corporations working hand-in-glove with the Marxists in political power? Yeah, well, it's two factors in that. One thing, you've got to realise Marxism revolution was never about empowering the little guy. It was always about centralising all wealth and all power in very few hands. The woke corporations, you know, we've heard the term woke. Woke means that your consciousness has been raised to issues of class oppression, racial oppression, LGBTQ oppression. That is what the Maoist Chinese and the Cultural Revolution used to call consciousness raising. You know, where they would brainwash people in big sessions to that have somebody up with a sign around their neck saying, I'm a capitalist, because they had two pigs and everybody else had one. You know, and so they would that was to raise people's consciousness of class struggle. Well, wokeism is Marxism, it's to raise people's issues of of oppression. And the woke corporations, some of them just get intimidated into this. They want to be, you know, they think it's the fashion, they want to be, you know, popular. But a lot of them really go along with the model of communist China. The real model for what we're looking at is communist China, where you have a strong communist party and big corporations and everybody else is a peasant. That's their model. So they 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 go along with this Marxist agenda because they think they'll be in the driving seat. And they yeah. want to centralise power. They want to drive out competition. They don't want the little guy coming up. So they're quite happy to work with the revolution and brainwash all of us. We see this with the big tech corporations in the States. We see this with Nike, which has driven the political correctness in sports over here. Nike works with China. Nike enforces the taking the knee in sports, all the political correctness and wokeness in American sport these days. And you'll find the same big corporations here have big interests in communist China or big interest in getting into the market in China. So they're following Chinese policies, essentially. Exactly, and soon we'll have the Chinese social credit score system over here as well. Now, just well, that, that's to... where it leads to. Yeah, you know, you, you, uh, everybody's got a file. Are yeah. you a good boy? Are you a naughty girl? Have you done what you're told? Have you not done what you're told? Your score goes up or down accordingly. And when you come to buy a house, when you come to get a job, when you yeah. come to go to school, well, no, you're not the kind of person who should be allowed to get an education in this country. That's how they're controlling you. And the big woke corporations are playing into that. Look, whenever you can, don't shop at the big woke corporations. Buy local. Buy from your from your local farmer. Buy from your local dairy. You work with your local plumber. Just, just buy local as much as you can buy small and buy local. Don't patronize the big stores that flood this country with Chinese crap produced by slave labor. And that's a you good know? way to starve the beast. That's exactly yeah, what we're starve, starve. We, we, We're paying for our own destruction by buying Chinese goods. By yeah. buying woke goods, we we look. Uh, there's a big company in America has just gone broke called Bed Bath and Beyond, massive company, you know, huge thing. But it's gone broke now 
a couple of years ago, they said, you know, Mike Lindell, the famous pillow guy, you probably heard of him. Yes. Well, they accused him of fomenting a, an insurrection in the White House, you know, the big insurrection. So they refused to stock his pillows. So millions of Americans said, the heck with you. We're not going to buy from Bed Bath & Beyond anymore. Now they're broke, and it looks like Mike Lindell might be buying the company. How's that for <laughs> That's justice? poetic justice, isn't it? That's poetic justice yeah. right there. That's amazing. So, um, mm. you know, can we just touch touch on one thing, um, one more thing with Jacinda before we move on to Hipkins? Now, what? how has New Zealand's relationship changed with, because, uh, of course, our allies have traditionally been the US and the UK. Um, and Australia. But, but I believe back in 2020, yes, and of course Australia, but back in 2020, it was almost like she was favouring China over our traditional allies. Absolutely. Do we have any more information there of her involvement with the CCP? And has there been any kind of um, donations to the Labour Party from the CCP that we know of? Or what, what kind of things are going on behind the scenes that you could tell the audience about? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. The, the, the CCP is donating to both major parties, you know, in a big way. But see, see this is the thing. The CCP gets the Conservatives with money. They get the Socialists, they get Labour with ideology and money. So a lot of the Labour MPs come from a Maoist background, like a pro-Chinese communist background. The, the, they come from the student politics of New Zealand, which is heavily, you wouldn't believe it, but it's heavily Maoist. And so the money comes in, um, you know, there's there's all these Chinese labor clubs around the country. The Chinese, the communist Chinese who are here are basically very loyal or forced to be loyal to the CCP, right, to the Chinese Communist Party. And they have to do what the Chinese Communist Party says, and they are used as fronts for donating to the Labour Party, donating to the National Party. They set up these Chinese Labour Clubs, these Chinese National Clubs, yeah. and they cultivate members of Parliament. They've got well, you know, one member of Parliament, you know, Maisie Chen. She's a very low-ranking uh, Labour member, but she was part of the uh, Chinese, what they call the... Um, the International Front, the the she's part of organisations that work for the CCP, influencing politics in other countries. Now she's a Labour member of Parliament, but their National had an actual Chinese spy, you know, a guy who was ch training Chinese spies in their ranks. So they get into both, but ideologically, the leaders of the Labour Party. They may not love China that much, but they do all hate America. They might not say it openly, but they hate America. That's the culture they came from, this anti-American student radical culture. Most of them come out of that. So here in, um, in New Zealand, of course, you know, Jacinda came back from her summer holiday announcing her shock resignation, saying that it was due to you know her tank being empty. But what we're hearing from people who are close to politics in New Zealand is actually the fact that this has been planned for over a month. The transition to Chris Hipkins, who is now the Prime Minister, was very smooth. There was um, no fight for our political leadership. It was just it was already yeah, like yeah. he's the next instalment. So what yeah, do you he think was, about he was Chris designated. Hipkins? Yeah. Well, Chris Hipkins was arrested in 1997 as part of the student rioting in Wellington. 200 people got arrested. And he was one of them. He was part of the, the, 
on the fringes of the Maoist movement at Victoria University. In those days, they had the Workers' Party and the student, the Radical Society running student politics, and he was part of that sort of malheur. He has very recently been supporter of a, of a, a group called Living Wage Aotearoa, which was set up by old Workers' Communist League people like Leonie Morris. So he he's he's got those anti-American, left hardcore left-wing sympathies, very much like Jacinda. He's a lot more left-wing than than he comes across. Put it that way. That's his background. Then he hangs around with people like Camilla Balich and uh, you know um, Fleur Fitzsimmons, you know, on the Wellington City Council, who all come out of that thing, and and Michael Wood comes out of that as well, who was. Another one that some people thought might be a leader, a future leader of the Labour Party. So whichever one you get, you're going to get somebody from that. You know, once the Maoists take over an organisation, they make sure their successor comes from the same area they do. You know, as Lenin said, it's not the gaining of power that's important. It is the keeping of power that's important. If they get a radical in the top job, the next one's going to be just the same. Yeah, it sort of defies the logic how... Yeah, so so uh, nothing's going to change under him. Put it that, that's what I'm getting at. Nothing's going to change. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, it, it defies the logic, the fact that you have uh, a Labour government that was supposedly elected on a whole raft of promises <clears throat> that were going to make the country better. Poverty was going to be basically into 100,000 homes built, blah, 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 big long list. She's failed systematically at every single one. Now, if that was a CEO of a major corporation, they'd be out on their ear um, within yeah. months of taking the position. She's been an abysmal failure. She's caused so much carnage, as you alluded to before, ripped families apart, homelessness on the rise, uh, farming now under a complete sustained attack because they don't want farming to um, have any sort of economic backbone for the country. And it's all sliding into, like you said, Okay, well, here's one thing I said. Has she been a failure? What was her agenda? A failure for us. If you, yeah, <laughs> a failure for you. Yeah. But as people say, well, communism's always a failure. Well, no, it's not for the communists because they are the ones who are in charge. Communism is never about uplifting people or getting people equal or feeding people or giving them health care. It's all about power in a very few hands. So did she fail? Did she make New Zealand more unstable? Did she hurt the middle class? Did she increase crime? Did she um, increase division? Yeah, I'd say she's been a roaring success. You just have to uh, you just have to look at the standards that she's working by. Yeah, I tend to agree that she's... That's actually she's, quite true. Yeah, her, her uh, overlords will be very happy with her. Klaus Schwab will be patting her on the back and George oh, Soros absolutely. and all she's that Absolutely, she's well. Yeah. And she'll be off to the United Nations in a couple of years or the World Health Organization or somewhere she'll be swanning around the world having meetings with Oprah Winfrey and, you know, she'll, she's, she's done her job here in New Zealand and she set it up for the next wave, you know, which... You know, after after Chris Hitkins, probably Kerry Allen will come along and finish it off. Yeah, yeah well, because that's my next question, because what they're saying now is that Chris Hipkins is going to try and bring Labour back to its roots, you know, the real working class uh, plight. That's take- cute eye roll there. <laughs> Done. Yeah, yeah well, and that's t- what they said about Joe Biden in, New Ze- in America. That's exactly what they said about Joe Biden. That's worked out well. 
<laughs> yeah, so he's going to be seen to be bringing it back, bringing back rational debate because, like you said, uh, the last you know six years has basically been no debate, uh, and they've just steamrolled because they've had the majority. They've been able to do what they want essentially in Parliament, and then um, they're now saying that Chris Hipkins will will bring it back a little bit from this radical Maori agenda that they've been playing out with, hey, Puapua and Three Waters and things like that. But how do you see it if uh, the elections are won by the National Party? Do you see them reversing everything Labor's done in that sense? Or will they kind of continue under a different name? Um, um, Chris Luxon is still kind of saying, yes, we will bring this stuff in, but more through the iwi side of things rather than actually the government ministries. Um, I mean, and then when Labor comes back in after that, they'll just carry on by by the sounds of what you're predicting. Well, well, that that's the, that's the danger, isn't it? You know, Luxon is playing the moderate. He will, you know, this is what the left do. They push, they they push it this far across. The national comes in and pulls it back a little bit, and then Labor gets in again and pushes it way back over here. So, I, I want I want this government to be, to be out. And I want New Zealanders to be ready to put maximum pressure on an incoming national act, maybe a little bit of conservative in there, to absolutely get rid of it. Look, this is what's going to happen in America. We, we're, they are actually going to push stuff back here when they get a chance. The, the, the pendulum's got so damn far over here, they're going to push it back. But that's got to happen in New Zealand too. People got to be ready now, accept the fact that Labor's going to lose. But what are we going to do to make sure National does, doesn't wimp out and push back a little bit of cosmetic stuff and basically carry on the same policies so that Communist Prime Minister Kerry Allen in 2026 or whatever doesn't come along and, and just steamroll the whole back whole lot back in again that's been the pattern and we got a chance now to actually you know there's so many people have got have got aware in new zealand over the last two years we can talk about things now that most new zealanders wouldn't have accepted three or four years ago but they've seen so many bloody horrible things mm. that they actually realize yeah we got some problems now we really do need to sort this out so I'm hoping that mood will carry on and absolutely cane national in every way they can to make sure they really do push stuff back. Because there are some good guys in there who want to do that. They gotta they gotta have backing so that Luxon can't keep them squashed down. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the only way we're gonna get out of this. But I'm heartened by what I see, the dis, the general disgust that people have. And, and the division they've seen in this country, they want it ended, and National's got to deliver. It's got to be forced to deliver. And of course, an overall, uh, an overarching viewpoint here in this country amongst most of us normal people, if you can call that normal now, uh, we're you know radical extremists now apparently, um, is that most governments are installed. I mean, if you have a look at our mail-in voting, you have a look at our ballot boxes, they're cardboard, they have no padlocks, there's no chain of custody. Um, they're meant to count them up, phone in the um, results, and then they tabulate it, and then it goes through a system and it starts appearing on TV. There are so many chinks in the armour of our election integrity that it's, it's basically no one's got any faith in it. I mean, no one in the South Island ever even believes that the South Island turned red 
for Labour. That is a complete and utter fabrication. So we know yeah, how, did, how, how did Jacinda Ardern get first time since MMP come and get over 50% <clears throat> of the vote just like that? Look, look, that's a huge concern in this country. And when I used to live in New Zealand, that was never a concern. People didn't, you know, they might not have liked the outcome of election, but they didn't usually question it. Yeah. You know, they thought they were, you know, the votes were accurate. Well, yeah, that's in, see the three things I think has got to be done. We've got to stop all the racial policies. Yes. We've got to implement real election integrity with real pun- punish- punishment for cheating. And we've got to get rid of all Chinese communist influence from the country. Do those three things and New Zealand will be back on the road to to liberty, to to to, to a healing. Yeah. But I those three things if we don't if we don't get rid of the Chinese influence, we're screwed. And, and by the Chinese, to also mean some of these international agreements, World Health Organization. We, we got to get rid of all these international entanglements. Without a doubt. I'd also add to that we completely get rid of political parties, direct representation only, with a right of recall that if you do not serve your community in the way that you promised to do or you've been instructed to do, you're out on your ear. And then a binding citizens initiated referendum where uh, the most important. Um, matters are decided on by the public who it's ultimately going to affect yeah. the problem there though as hannah's previously pointed out is that unless you have an educated population as to both sides of the debate you're again going to have halfwits voting for things they think are a good idea at the time without looking deeply into well, what's here, here's this it. see i'm a big f- fan of referendum but this is what you do you only have referendums to strike down what the government proposes yeah. Right. The government proposes three waters. You have a referendum. No, the government proposes um, that we join. We follow the World Health Organization. No, you don't have referendums to say that everybody should get a Mercedes Benz <laughs> or everybody. Should, you know, you don't have them positive. Like you don't have it. Well, let's have a referendum. So everybody gets freebies. You have a referendum to say this is what the government proposes. No. Yeah, so it's a negative only referendum, so to speak. So it's only we're only striking down government measures, not actually proposing, because then that gets hijacked by the left and they start right. using it to promote goodies. But you know the the referendum system is what has kept Switzerland together for six hundred years. Yeah, you know that that's the bedrock of the Swiss democracy, that the fact that they have binding referendums and the government has to follow them. And, you know, John Key, they, he did that famous one on smacking, right? So 94, 92% of people voted to uh, allow smacking, and he says, nah, nah. And that's yeah, the what problem. A disgusting, what, what a disgusting – and, you know, I'll tell you straight, I actually am an advocate of smacking children at certain times, so that may be a, a totally illegal thing to say in New Zealand now. But I think John Key helped to destroy discipline and families right across the country. And we're seeing the consequences of that right now with the crime wave. That is a contributing factor towards that, in my opinion. I was just going to bring that up, actually. That hit the nail on the head. Anti-smacking bill comes in and all of a sudden we have a lot more um, uh, children being murdered and abused. Cindy, Cindy comes along, dear leader comes along and she advocates, let's do a gun buyback. How they buy back a gun they've never owned before, I don't know, but let's move on. Um, 
And all of a sudden, she's over on the Corbett show saying, oh, you know, it's great. Yes, we took guns out of hands, you know, criminals and that. Meanwhile, we've got the highest crime rate we've ever had with 20 shootings in a fortnight in Auckland alone. You know, that's unheard of. You used to read the paper to look and say, wow, someone's being shot. Now it's just such a daily occurrence. No one gives a crap. Like I used to remember, a murder was a big deal. You got one every couple of weeks. And, wow, you looked at the paper and you read about it and, you you know, it was, wow. Now it's, it's it's sort of like a shoplifting or something, isn't it? But but yeah. that's that's all, you know, Sue Bradford, the Marxist, a, Mar- a pro-Chinese communist brought in the anti-smacking legislation. So now you can't give your kid a tickle up, so they act up and you lose your temper and you just beat, the, you beat them to death. You know, that's great, isn't it? You know, this yeah. is what happens. Or the kids, you know... Do you think New Zealand kids are a little bit lacking in discipline these days? Could that possibly be a factor? I you know, so. I remember being at high school, you know, we used, they still used to cane us back then. And, um, you know, it was I didn't enjoy it at the time, but I can see the benefits to it now. You know, but just that basic families should have sovereignty over their kids. Yeah. That's the point. It's not the government's job how you discipline your children, how you raise your children, what you teach them, the beliefs you teach them. That's your job. Well, and when and the Trevor, government I, gets involved, you get chaos. I can't help but uh, quickly bring this up uh, before we wrap it up. But this is exactly the point. They want to destroy the family, take away parental yes. rights, hand over um, the rights of the child to the United Nations to the point now where if you tell your child, if they want to identify as the opposite sex and you say, uh, no, Johnny, you are actually a little boy, you are not a girl, uh, that is deemed child abuse basically now and um, the child can go behind your back through the school system and start a transition and and get um, drugs and mutilate their own bodies or they can go and get an abortion without actually having to advise their parents. Crazy. There's just no real... Isn't isn't that just evil? Isn't that evil beyond measure? They can take your kids off you if you try and say, look, you're a boy, Johnny. I want you to play rugby, not netball. You know? I don't really want you wearing a tutu to the uh, birthday party. You know, this would be considered normal. We all know there's variation. People do their different things, but that's when you're an adult. When you're a child, you do what your parents tell you. And even even then, it's biology. But this this is Marxism. What was the second plank in the Communist Manifesto? The destruction of the family unit. Exactly. The destruction of parental discipline. You know, and we're seeing this in our schools. We're seeing this in government policy, the transgender policies, um, the, the the end of smacking, all of this. This was all done by Marxists like Sue Bradford. She is a revolutionary, and we let her change parental pr- behavior for the whole country, and bloody John Key was complicit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one for – I'm a purist and a traditionalist when it comes to biology. You're either a boy – or a girl, male or female. That's it. Everything else is preference. Yeah. It's okay if you want to identify as a cat. That's your preference. It's not your damn biology. People need to get that mm. through their thick skulls as well. Yeah, and we shouldn't be forced to acknowledge somebody else's mental aberration. Yeah. You know, if you, you got a preference. You, I believe that you can do what you want when you're an adult with your own body, but don't make me say one, say what 
don't make me deny my reality. Don't make my children conform to your twisted view of reality. You know, that's, right. that's the that's the difference, isn't it? Absolutely. And it was so fascinating. You touched on Switzerland, of course, recently, the Davos meetings happening there. And Helen Clark was a huge player there um, on stage with uh, Tony Blair and, of course, the CEO of Pfizer. Before we go, because... The International Crime Syndicate. Yeah, because mainstream media yeah, completely yeah. ignored it. Um, how much influence does Helen Clark still have? How much will she be talking to Chris Hipkins? Because we've had reports that she was more or less speaking to Jacinda Ardern daily. How is that still going to be? Jacinda was her puppet. Helen, 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 like like Obama controls Joe Biden, Helen Clark is still the Prime Minister of New Zealand. And Helen Clark was one of those old student Maoists. She was a hard core Maoist. So she so Jacinda danced to her tune and Kerry Kerry Allen will dance to her tune. Um Helen Clark has a lot of influence on the world stage. She was number three at the United Nations for a while. That's right. You know, that's cesspool of Marxism. And the World Health Organization, which is completely uh part of communist China, and and some people won't except what I say here too, but the World Economic Forum too dances to China's tune. It really, right. Klaus Schwab has a bust of Lenin in his office. He just keynoted a big world youth conference in communist China to implement Agenda 2030 organised by the Chinese Communist Party's youth wing. Yeah. So, and we got all these world leaders going to this big international Chinese Communist Party front saying what a, you know, we should be so pleased we're all going to eat bugs. We should be so pleased we have nothing and be so happy about it. Well, why would anybody listen to these lunatics? And it's cyclic, isn't it? We've had the Roman Empire. We had the Ottoman Empire. You have the uh, British Empire, the miracle imperialist movements and all that. And now, of course, according to George Soros, China's been cleared to take the role for the next um, wave. China is being set up to be the leader with the, the Chinese Communist Party model is the model for the world. And we got to resist that with every fiber of our bodies. And I'll tell you what, um, the Chinese Communist Party is hanging on some ways by the skin of its teeth. You saw the riots in China. Yes. You imagine had President Trump still been in office and said, we will support you. The CCP would be gone. If President Trump was in office and the people in Iran were protesting, he would have supported them and the mullahs would be gone. As we get more and more centralized, as we get more and more control, more and more people are waking up around the world and rising up. And they get crushed down, but they come back. They get crushed down. They come back. The bad guys are having a very hard time keeping a lid on this. So we shouldn't lose hope. There's a lot more of us than there are of them. A lot yeah. more. And, and what we a got great right note. on our side. That's right. We are um, right, even though they like to say <laughs> we're uh, We're far right far because right we're absolutely extremists. correct. That's true. So yeah, thank that's you. That's exactly right. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully um, the Lao Beijing 
the the uh, old hundred names of China will see uh, some freedom in the next year or two. We'd love to um, keep talking with you, Trevor, over the next year because I think New Zealanders really need to hear your voice. You're you're such a shining uh, light over there in America. You've got your uh, head screwed on the right way, and we don't have enough uh, people like you here still left in New Zealand to to break things down like this. Uh, we could talk all all day. So where can people find you to keep up with uh, your amazing analysis of the just, current just political- go to, uh, oh, for thank you or trevorloudon.com trevorloudon.com loudon is l-o-u-d-o-l-o-u-d-o-n trevorloudon.com or also epoch times epoch tv i have a a weekly show on that called counterpunch so that's probably the best actually go to counterpunch on epoch tv but you know look look um my family's in new zealand i want to live in new zealand um it's of great it's still the greatest country around. Don't let the commies and the globalists screw it up. That's yeah. what we gotta yeah, we gotta think. If we got kids, we gotta hand in that we gotta hand that great country on to our children. And if we won't fight for our children, we're not fit to be parents. Absolutely agree. Thanks, Trevor. We will catch up again soon. And when you come back home to New Zealand, I'll even cook you a meal. No, that'd be great. Yeah. We'll catch up then. We've got each other's emails. I'll, I'll be, I'll be there. And uh, if, of course, I'm allowed on the country, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, be good to catch up. Awesome. Thanks, Trevor. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you later on. And uh, love to my great country. And now we are joined by the two creators of that viral video. Uh, They've quickly become heroes in New Zealand. Two Auckland farmers, Rodney Ng is a market gardener and Murray Weimar is a commercial grower and cattle farmer. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, We know you'd much rather be out on your farms, but uh, you are coming on the show to represent New Zealand around the world because this indeed has gone viral. Let's start with you, Rodney. What inspired you to uh, get your message out there and uh, how did you actually end up executing it? Um, Well, I think uh, I speak for most of the farmers around New Zealand when I say that we were all so excited we uh, heard the news about uh, Jacinda. Um, Yeah, like everyone was just elated. You know, there was the anger sort of disappeared from us at that point. We were... uh, just in a very happy us, I guess. Um, what got me onto doing it? I saw there's a few of my mates, well, one in particular that decided to put up a uh, farewell message to Jacinda, and that was um, a series of a bales 
I'm getting displayed along the southern motorway. That's I'll kind of message to me. Nothing offensive, just but I'm like hard and I thought to myself I could probably go one step further. <laughs> so the following morning I woke up, looked over my paddocks, and then I had a realization that I can do something quite creative with my box that are usually my sometimes anyway. Yeah. Um, I put the call out. I had an idea in my head about what I was going to do. So I knew that I about some pretty amazing letters at a very gigantic scale. Um, so the idea was there. I needed to get organized to see how I could make it work. Put the call out to a few growers, including Murray. Told him what my plan was, and yeah, he was more than happy to help out with it. Yeah, and you guys have done a you guys have done a great job too. Um, and of course, you will currently be suffering a bit of technical issues there with the sound quality because, as you as you alluded to just prior to coming on, it is teeming down with rain up there, so it will be restricting any cellular or, uh, um, let's face it, farming links to the the old internet. Murray, what was your involvement? How did you uh, climb aboard? So Rodney uh, uh, called and asked what I thought of it, and and I said, yeah, I can can uh, um, help out there um, as far as the, uh, the actual graphics in the paddock goes. Um, um, I was able to, to, to get help get help from outside to, to be able to program the, the, uh, g- the uh, GPS to be able to, to uh, come up with something that would that would show something tidy. Um, and quite quite simple kind of layout. Um, yeah, and then and then uh, got hold of Rodney and said, yeah, we can we can c- come up with with uh, with uh, something. So so um, we we uh, c- kicked off kicked off at about about lunchtime, and I thought thought we'd have a go on 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 Sunday morning, and by uh, Saturday. By the early hours of Sunday morning, we we pretty much had it finished. So, brilliant job! Awesome, yeah, it was very very effective. Um, and of course the Auckland flight path. Uh, so you know up ahead, so a lot of people got to see it. Rodney, what has the feedback been like? It's just it's it's gone gangbusters, and um, you've already had you know interviews overseas. What's what's what have people been saying? Uh, overwhelming response in general from New Zealand and overseas. There are the occasional uh, hecklers, I guess. Um, <laughs> they sort of, you know, I've had the occasional person comment that I'm wasting crops, that I'm wasting my time. So that I say, well, uh, well, they should do a little bit of um, research because that. If they actually knew what that crop was, that understands that it is a regenerative crop. It is a cover crop that is meant to be hung into the soil to improve the uh, fertility of the land. So it's the better practice you can go for. So it wasn't, uh, you were just cutting out again, so it wasn't a food crop, essentially. You, you So you use that crop <laughs> to fortify the soil in between crops, something like that, or to feed the animals? Uh, it's 
done to improve the soil condition. It's improved the soil health, it's reduced the chance of pests getting out of control. It's, it's an all-round beneficial practice to follow. Excellent. So no doubt the uh, hecklers that came after you know nothing about farming as usual, and um, let's face it, most of them probably supported the Labour government, who are trying to get rid of you anyway. So whether you waste crops or not, if that was the case, it doesn't matter. They're about to destroy your bloody crops all throughout the country. Okay, Murray, um, this brings us a good segue to a point that is at, is the bane of every farmer's existence, and that's the overregulation, the draconian um, measures taken against farmers because we know for a fact, and it is they've not hidden the fact that they are out to destroy the farming and agricultural sectors. What do you see as the most pivotal uh, pivotal points that you can um, allude to? Um, yeah, look, they 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 they're just coming up with more and more rules and regulations to to hammer us. Um, our else a spare time that we used to have to spend with family is now spent filling out paperwork and 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 ticking boxes and the more and more they come on with all this heavy stuff the the less we're going to be able to concentrate on the actual cropping itself um or even the the uh, livestock and and it's 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 just going to end up screwing us over i mean it's Farming's just just taking a huge hit. Um, yeah, from there's there are smashing us from just about every angle. Um, and and look, the 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 uh, same as Netherlands, um, same as Canada. We're just we're just copying the same circus, um, and the. The worst thing is a lot of farmers don't realise what's actually going on. Yeah. Yeah, there, there has been a lot of um, heads being put in the sand, like an ostrich. Um, and another thing that we've noted, because we've been around the country and, I'm, you know, with our tour, and we've spoken to a lot of farmers, and one of the big concerns, of course, is the mental health of the farmers and the suicide rate within the farming community that not many people are highlighting. Can you uh, talk about that, Rodney? Uh, in fact, one of the reasons why I did it, I, we've been facing so much frustration for so long that when we heard that news, everything sort of changed within me. I felt like a very happy person. I, um, so this was done purely out of... Uh, boost the moves of all of the farmers and growers around around New Zealand. Um, yeah, it was done very lightheartedly. Everyone had a laugh. Which a laugh much needed, of course. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. We are really proud of what you guys have done. Uh, what we're going to play now is a second version that you've sent us just because, hey, we want to see it again. Let's <laughs> <laughs> watch. So if I do not find somebody soon I'll blow up into smithereens And spew my tiny symphony All up and down a city street While trying to put my mind at ease Like finishing this melody This feels like a necessity So this could be the death of me Or maybe just a better me Now come in with the Tiffany's And take a shot at anything I know I'm not that mentally But you could be the remedy 
It's going to be a very, very interesting year ahead. That is for sure. And with great Kiwis like Trevor Loudon and our two Auckland farmers, I think, you know, if more of you out there do little things uh, like the farmers or even, you know, if you want to um, keep writing books or start your own channel um, like Trevor, you know, the more voices, the merrier at this point, the more creative we can be to just allow the globalists to realize we don't actually stand by what they do. We don't approve of what they do. That is what's needed. At this and point. we're not going to take what they're doing. That's right. And we want to take this opportunity to not only thank uh, the immediate Counterspin team that are um, helping us, but also all of you out there who are getting uh, up and behind our um, billboard campaign. Uh, Napoleon Bush has been phenomenal getting those um, all out there, along with Rob and Karina and uh, Remy and Flying Kiwi now also has a billboard. Um, some of Ted's you ha- have emailed us as well, wanting the artwork for that. If you do want to get your own billboard up, info at counterspinmedia.com, info at counterspinmedia.com. And we've also got the um, placards. We'd love to see a selfie uh, with you and a placard. You can email merch at counterspinmedia.com. We'll actually put them all together, a big compilation, and we'll play it on the show. And um, what we actually want to play now, Calvin, as well, before we um, really wrap it up, is a little clip because because we are winning. This is my point of what I'm trying to say here, is all of you doing these things, the billboards, the placards, uh, making up your own, um, you know, murals and we want to show the one that's up north as well uh that it's having an effect because radio new zealand's colin peacock from media watch was actually out and about this summer and he said that uh basically he couldn't get away from counterspin media messaging listen to this it's a very very warm welcome to colin peacock from midweek media watch hi karen good holiday yeah, yeah, not too bad. I had a, um, a pretty decent break. Went on a couple of cycling trips uh, where there was um, kind of no opportunity really to engage with the media. <laughs> it was really in the middle of nowhere. Um, I usually do try and pick up local papers, get a bit of local media places where I am, but this time it was, it was really difficult. I just wasn't in enough small towns, and often it was pretty much impossible to find a local paper. So pretty much, um, yeah, break from the media, really. When I was saying I do try to pick up on local media when I do get out of my urban bubble uh, in the summer, well, I found it hard to get local news. I did see quite a few sort of QAnon anti-media banners about the place, sometimes in the middle of nowhere, and um, a fair few banners and billboards for counterspin media, the sort of conspiracy-based um, far-right outlet, so that wasn't so great. The the most alarming one was in Tomananui. It was right in the middle of the main street, a thing the size of a, you know, a two-car garage just about right in the main street opposite the police station. What did it say? Oh, that one was, the weird thing about it was it had the Labour Party slogan right at the top. It almost looked like a a Labour billboard. What? And as you get closer, some of your listeners will have seen this right there in the main drag. Uh, But it had, um, it was about the baby in what they call the tainted blood case. Uh, You know, the one where they wanted vaccine free donors to supply the... um, for the for the baby's surgery and it said you know it's our our baby your baby our choice was the slogan so basically saying you know labor is interfering in this this case which you know counterspin media got and then if you looked at the billboard from the the back end it was a kind of triangle sort of pyramid shape thing uh it was saying it was claiming to be the people's platform offering fact-based uh evidence-based journalism but i don't think that's really what counterspin offers and they have also and they've also admitted that Counterspin Media is the largest, most influential alternative platform in the country. That is only because of you.
So we really are asking you, if you want us to keep growing and us to keep going from strength to strength, because that is our commitment to you. We're not just going to rest on our laurels and think that we've done enough. We keep trying to... The fight is never over. It's not. And we keep trying to um, be better, do better and be best. So if you want to either, um, you know, help out and be a researcher or go and film um, interviews in your own community or be part of... Anything that you can see that you have a passion for or you could contribute to, please do get in touch. Info at counterspinmedia.com. We always still need editors. Editors are um, a big, important part of this whole thing. So please do get in touch with that. And ultimately, if you want to make a financial contribution, please do go to counterspinmedia.com and make a uh, donation there because it's you guys that um, keep the engine rooms going here. We are a platform by the people for the people. We don't have any corporate donors. We don't have any. Despite what these other people say, we don't have Steve Bannon from the war room money. We don't have CCP money. We don't have federal state of China, which is opposition to the CCP money. We have no major corporate sponsors at all. And we certainly, unlike mainstream media, do not get your money taken from you and given to journalists to enforce their attack upon you. And just to be really clear as well, we have hosted uh, the Alex Jones show uh, these past two weeks for the fourth hour, and we do not receive any money from Alex Jones either. So, um, you know, just to make that clear. And this year, we want to rival mainstream media. We are going to take the fight to them. We're going to take them head on, and we're hoping to do daily broadcasts, but we can only do that with your assistance. So if you like what we're doing, you want to contribute, if there's some Farmers out there who know they're about to lose their shit, they've got millions of dollars hiding, send some our way. We don't need a lot because we can get by on the sniff of an oily rag, sometimes without the oil on the rag, uh, but we scrape through. We don't want to keep scraping through. We want to take the fight to them, deliver your message and your word to the rest of the world, and of course locally, and actually make an impact and actually start changing things in this country. Yeah, and at the end of the day, we want to get people on board where this becomes their full-time job. Like, I mean, Calvin and I have dedicated everything we have to be full-time on this, um, and it's certainly not a job in the sense that it's paying. But We've got a lot of fans, though. We've got, like, the police. They're they're with us all the time. (laughs) We have um, uh, journalists from mainstream media in our channels watching us, our every Abusing us, actually, constantly. Maybe they're misogynistic towards me. Maybe they've got misandry towards you. Well, we can actually, we can milk that for all it's worth like they do, can't they? Yeah. No, we don't lie ourselves. We don't dig ourselves that that No, we're not victims. We're not snowflakes. We stand proud above the parapet. Remember, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. That was always what we were taught when we were kids growing up. It does piss you off. Yeah, it might piss you off, but, um, you know, it's water off a duck's back. So we also want to say a massive shout out to the United Free Press. They are our friends over in the UK and around the world. Uh, Ethical journalists who are all working together. um, and Of which we are proud to be part of that organisation. Yes, they are wonderful. So we will uh, be doing our best this year to highlight them as well and get them on the show so that you can um, see what other journalists around the world are doing. Because there's more of you than there are of them, regardless of what mainstream tell you. Do not give up, do not give in, and do not back down because you are so close to winning this weekend. Get it over the line. Let's do it together. We look forward to seeing you guys next time. See you then. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network, at band.video.